from the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs. This is the Locked On Chiefs podcast. Well, it's a good Tuesday, and welcome back, Chiefs Kingdom. We are going to talk about uh, what is going on at the front of the defense. Uh, the other big acquisition, big leader this team brought in. We're going to go over a lot of Frank Clark today. We're going to be joined later uh, in the second segment by Dan Harms. I think you guys have seen some of his film review. Another new voice uh, looking at a lot of the film, uh, you know, honestly, digger, digging deeper than I can. So Chris is with me today, and I know this is like, this was, it seemed like the bigger acquisition, didn't it, in terms of the reaction? Well, I love the acquisition. You finally have a great Clark on the Chiefs team. I mean, that, how is that not a great thing? I was going to say, have you ordered your jersey yet? No, I haven't ordered it yet. Is it the 55 that's making you hesitate? No, I will get it. Uh, honestly, my favorite number is 52 uh, from way back when I played basketball, but um, 55 is pretty close. So uh, it's, it, I do think it's kind of funny that you take a 55 from D Ford and you give it back to a player who I think is better than D Ford. Um, and you will have people tell you that he's not because of pass rush numbers. Uh, and I'm sorry, but I completely disagree with that. Yeah, you know, and, and I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to talk about that later. But I agree with you from the standpoint specifically that he, Frank Clark is much more well-rounded. Uh, D Ford, yes, had a very good season, but he's still what D Ford was. Well, not a force against the run uh, and really a, a singular thing that he's excellent at. Not only is it a singular thing he's excellent at, it's a singular season that he was excellent. Uh, he put together good seasons, but he didn't put together excellent seasons. Uh, I think Frank Clark has been better more consistently than D Ford has. I agree. And I think the, the other difference to me, and a lot of folks have been comparing, you know, that supposedly Chris Jones is very upset about them paying somebody from the outside, uh, before him. And I can see that that's, that's a point of, of discussion, but I can't think that you can be too overly upset about that because of the difference in playing D tackle versus playing the edge, the premier well, position on the defense. Yeah. And I would also say that the other thing about that is, is that Chris Jones has also got a, you would think Chris Jones would also like the fact that he's going to have somebody there that can actually help him because he's not going to be a guy that can be double teamed every single play because they're going to have to worry about Frank Clark too. And if you double team Chris Jones and Frank Clark, uh, good luck with that. Cause I don't know how you're going to have enough people to block everybody. Well, yeah, and there's enough talent to take advantage elsewhere if you tried to do that. I'm just c- thinking comparatively, contractually, um, the difference between Frank Clark and both Jones and Ford is that Frank Clark played through his rookie season, a rookie contract, got all the way through it, and was in a position to have performed consistently enough at a high enough level to earn that huge contract. And nothing against uh, Chris Jones, but he hasn't played out his full rookie contract, and he did have a big spike last season. Same thing with D Ford. You saw well, uh, one medium season and one really good one. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but the one thing I will say about Chris Jones, Chris Jones has still been more consistent than D Ford ever was. Um, totally yes, agree. yes, he had a compl- he had a fantastic season last year, but the best season he's had. But he is he has improved every year, and he was good his rookie year. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. yeah. I have no, no argument with that at all. I'm just trying to point out to folks that are are pointing at the contracts. It is a, a different situation to have completely fulfilled your rookie contract and then get paid Absolutely. versus trying to get the extension first or being on the franchise tag. And, and Ford ended up taking a contract that is, you know, suspect at best to tell you the truth. And it's because <laughs> of 
the injury history. Uh, yeah. And you look at that and people still think he got so much money and I'm just sitting there going, yeah, but did you look at the structure? I would love it if Kansas City could structure deals like that. They right. don't have it's the basically cap- a one year contract. Right. But they don't have the cap space to be able to do that. Um, they were never paying for the kind of money that he got in San Francisco. So it is what it is. And I'm happy that they moved on and, and you can say what you want, but I never thought Ford fit the four, three defense to begin with. So. Well, all that aside, they did pay Frank Clark and quite a bit of money all told. And in the, the aftermath of that, I've heard a lot of people talking and trying to compare what he did uh, in Seattle versus the roles of Ford and Houston. Uh, and honestly, statistically, um, it, it is true. He did play statistically more like Houston than Ford. Uh, Ford did have better overall numbers, better pass rush efficiency. Um, and when I say that, I'm not talking about pro football focuses. They do their own thing. They wait towards sacks. They wait towards getting home. Whereas uh, I always look at total pressures overall, and I don't give any advantage to whether you actually got that extra step and got the sack or you just got a hit. Uh, and I think that's a significant difference. But the bigger point is, and this is what we're going to see this season, this is going to be a, a long arc story that we're going to have to follow because someone's going to have to emerge opposite Frank Clark because the advantage and the reason that D Ford and Justin Houston were so good. And the reason that the pass was, was able to not double team Chris Jones every five seconds is because they had a pair of edge rushers. That's not what they had in Seattle. Frank Clark did a lot on his own. They moved him around. They moved him inside even sometimes because they didn't have enough to draw away from him. And I think when you compare those two performances, knowing that I think you have to feel like not only is it better fit in the four, three for this team moving forward. Uh, but I think, in in actuality, he performed just as well, if not better, than both the edge rushers the Chiefs had last season. Absolutely. And you're right. I mean, Frank Clark has not had a guy next to him that could actually get after the passer uh, like D. Ford has and Justin Houston for most of his career and Houston having Ford or Hall E. Uh, so that's – and honestly – if you're looking at specifically DNs, he doesn't have that guy here in Kansas City, but he has somebody that I think is even more important than having another uh, complimentary DN type uh, in Chris Jones because defensive tackle um, it, it can be huge creating interior pressure. And yeah. you, know, you put those guys next to each other on a field, uh, you cannot double-team both of them. No, but and there are some blocking schemes that you can adapt. Um, particularly angled ones that while they, they still are susceptible to, uh, penetration moves aimed at the gaps rather than engaging offensive linemen, you can slant the entire blocking scheme towards those two if they're lined up together. So that leaves a lot of opportunity on the opposite end. So I'm looking for the left defensive end, whoever that ends up being. I think Okafor is going to get the first shot, but I think the Frank Clark effect is going to be not just what Frank does for Chris, but what he does for those guys that maybe haven't been ultra performance guys in the past, it may open up somebody on the left defensive end spot. Yeah, definitely could. And uh, you look at what this team is going to be this year and how these defensive ends and defensive tackles are going to play. And one thing that we have talked about a little bit, but I don't think we've given enough credit to is their new defensive line coach is going to be huge. And I think that the ability to stunt and do twists and never have the offense know what the defensive line is doing is going to be a fantastic thing for Kansas City and, and the pressure they're going to be able to create. 
I completely agree. And we're going to have to have a whole separate show about that. Not just about daily, but about some of the exotic deployments that we could see. And then I hopefully, uh, I am really hoping they can utilize some of this athleticism that they've worked so hard to build along this front. So um, we're going to take our first break. We'll come back. We're going to talk with Dan Harms. Uh, we'll be back in just a second here. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now, this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. With no in-person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use the special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com, promo code MLB, to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. So I've been promising you guys a new guest or two, and we're going to start today with Dan Harms from Arrowhead, guys, a guy who's doing their film work, uh, analysis, whatever you want to call it. Dan, how are you? Good. How you doing, Ryan? You know, I'm getting by, and it's we've had a lot of, of film takes over the years. You know, I watched Jeff's enough film to be dangerous, so I don't try to call myself a film analyst, but uh, obviously we have Seth on all the time, and that's kind of his like niche, but I like a lot of opinions and I know that you've been doing a lot of good work over there. I like what I've seen from Arrowhead guys. So, uh, it, for any of you listeners that haven't been over there yet, check that out as well. Um, I'll try to put a, a link in the show notes, but so as you guys go through, you guys have a, a different take, different site culture over there. And what's your perspective on trying to do some film analysis? Well, to be honest with you, when I first started this whole process, I didn't know that I was going to actually be a film analyst. I wanted to work in the field itself, but I got into film about a year ago and I just, I guess I just fell in love with it. You know, a lot of people, they find their, their niche here, their niche here and there. And I just started to watch some, some tape of Chiefs players. And then I was just like, well, this is what I want to do. And I just, I just really want to get content out there for, Chiefs Kingdom because we all love Chiefs Kingdom and I just want them to have the best possible product and however I can do that, you know, is what I'll do. And I think that's great. And, you know, especially when it comes to watching film, there's, there's a lot of takes on things. That's why teams have huge scouting departments, pro personnel departments, because everybody has different takes. Everything, everyone notices little details or has been taught different techniques. What's your, what's your background that you're coming from? Background. I played some in high school. I joined the military right after high school. So. My experience with football, all the language and that kind of thing. So it's just been a lot of catch up, but I feel like I'm, I'm finally ingrained enough that I have a lot of the basics down. And so you joined the Air Force out of high school. Are you still enlisted? I uh, know my, um, my career ended about four, four or five years ago. Now I have, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease and they proceeded to medically retire me from the Air Force. Oh, and I know that that happens. A lot of friends that have served and, and hit the end of their physical rope as well. So. Well, that said, when you do get to take a step back from the rest of your life and start looking at some of these things, um, just, you know, for folks who don't know you, are you an offensive guy or a defensive guy or where do you like to, to look first? Um, initially I looked on the defense, but 
since when I played, I played both sides, football, uh, defensive line, and also tight end and offensive line. So I'm all over the place. So I kind of started in the trenches, and I've worked my way out from there. Well, trenches is a good place to start because I, I like, <laughs> in particular, one you started on Frank Clark, and you guys did an interesting takeover there with some statistical analysis as well as looking at the film. And um, first and foremost, given that this is such a pass rush history, uh, heavy history at this organization, and having both Justin Houston and D Ford last season, what's your takeaway initially in looking at Frank Clark up in Seattle and how he compares? So when I first saw him, I was more under the impression that he was this, you know, big, tough, strong guy that was really more resembles what Justin Houston is now. When Houston was first, you know, in the league, he was faster, he was quicker, he was a more athletic version of himself. But ever since his injuries have injuries and age have kind of taken a toll on him. But um I looked into Frank Clark a little bit more and he's developed the speed and the athletic side of his game. So it's not just this guy that's just going to bull rush you into the quarterback. He's got a variation of moves that I, I fell in love with his, you know, his, he rips, pulls, push, pull, just, he bends a little bit. He's not great at bending around the edge, but he does more than enough to make it. So offensive linemen have difficulty figuring out where he's going to go. And I think that overall in an edge rusher is what you need. And not that, not that, Justin Houston or D Ford are bad or anything. Obviously, Ford had the best season of his career last year, and Houston is still, in my opinion, a very, very productive pass rusher. But getting younger and more athletic in at edge position is definitely a need, and the Chiefs went out and they did that. And, and I'm one, I agree with you. I still think Justin Houston could play even in this defense, even mm-hmm. in the 4 3. But Frank is a little bit more, like you said, not the speed guy. Doesn't have the get off of D Ford or even Von Miller. You know, he doesn't bend that way, but he's got a nice combination. And what I've watched in Seattle, I come away with one thing that sets him apart from D Ford. D's step obviously is elite, but his hand usage is not. And that's the thing that I notice about Clark right away is he knows not only where to place his hands for most effect, but he's good with them. He's not just violent and swinging them around, but he's got good technique with how he disengages and gets the tackle off of himself. Oh, I, I fully agree. I feel like he's got a, a, a pass rush plan every time he goes out. He's got an idea of where the tackle is going to be, what he's going to do, and then he can manipulate that as he goes through his pass rush. So if the tackle you know gets a little bit too deep, he can you know counter and go inside, or if he comes up a little bit too much, he can go on the outside. So he's just got... such a wide variation of the ways he can beat you. And I absolutely love that in Frank Clark. Yeah, I do too. And I I think that that's, what's going to pay off. Honestly, I think that's what probably attracted. I I know that Veach had his eye on him beforehand um, because of their, the chiefs staff in particular, the front office staff takes a lot away from when opposing players play the chiefs. So folks, if you see somebody have a very good game against them, put that in your mental notebook because Veach is paying attention to that too. But beyond that, I know that Spagnuolo was very interested in him as well because of that versatility, the inside out. He comes inside almost as well as he gets around the outside as well. But the thing that really hits me is I love this notion of doing some more NASCAR things, some more, you know, four pass rushers and Jones kind of thing that we've seen in the past from Spagnuolo and Coughlin and guys around the league. And Frank can do that because he went inside in Seattle as well. And do you notice a change in his game when he, when he goes into, you know, a, a hand down technique, maybe a three? I don't really see that he's, he does anything differently per se, but 
maybe he has a little bit of a different uh, get off. Like his, I feel like when he comes out of his three point stance, he's a little bit quicker. Um, that's typical for most edge rushers. If they get a hand in the dirt, they can get their feet off a little bit quicker. Um, but he's still, it's all about his hands. I feel like he gets his hands on you. And especially if he's down in the trenches, he gets his eyes on the quarterback or where the ball is. And then he makes his decision based off of that. So if the, if the run's coming, he, st- he can stay engaged with the offensive linemen, force the running back to move different places. Or if, you know, if the quarterback's got it, he can kind of just, you know, push and throw the offensive lineman inside. Or if he's on the outside and he's doing a stunt, it just, there's so many different ways he can beat you. And it, and it was just such a surprising thing that I saw. The thing that stands out to me the very most is exactly what you said. I don't see a difference the way he maneuvers. Yeah, when you're coiled up like that and you're um, a big, strong, explosive athlete like that, the more you're coiled in three-point stance, the better your initial explosion is going to be because you just have that release of energy. But the fact that he doesn't have to play differently when he goes down inside against guards, that's the big key to me. And that's what I think probably attracts Spagnuolo the most is that you can move him around, you can put him out wide, you can put him inside, and that goes for a lot of the guys that they brought in similarly they just need Clark to be their leader, their their ace in the hole kind of guy. I agree. I fully expect him to be the leader of the front four outside of Jones. I think that they're going to work off each other extremely well. Uh, you'll see him on the same side as Jones probably multiple times. They'll probably switch spots, and I do. I absolutely love the versatility they've brought in. They can. They'll have Okafor come in down probably with them too. They've got. I heard that they had you know K pass and speaks on the inside earlier during minicamp. So just the ways that they're going to mess around with offensive lines and their heads, I just I can't wait to see what it looks like on the field. Yeah, the idea of an overload on one side with this particular group of defensive linemen, you know, when you could actually qualify five or six of them as ends, I, I think that's a different scenario. But it all comes back to, to Clark being the focus of it and keeping not only the quarterback, uh, but the center trying to make line calls and, and everyone along that offensive line trying to find out just where Frank Clark is because he can beat him anywhere he wants to go. Oh, I know it's, I'm telling you what, man, I think that I originally, I thought that before they brought in Frank Clark, that they would have trouble getting to the passer. Cause I didn't, I mean, excuse me, the quarterback, I didn't think that Okafor was all that dynamic. Um, I was a little underwhelmed with Ogba, but I think bringing in Clark to help with everyone is what's going to help keep this pass rush what it was last year. Maybe not exactly 52 sacks, but I think we'll be in the 45, maybe a little bit more range. Yeah, I think that's probably doable. I got to see it come together before I'm ready to to make a stab at a prediction, but I I think it's certainly in the realm of possibility. And I think the bigger thing is that Frank Clark's a dog, you know, he's here to lead, not just be a guy that contributes. And I think that's something they've been lacking not that Justin Houston wasn't prepared to lead. Uh, he's just not a vocal guy, and I think that was a role that he was thrust into that he wasn't quite ever comfortable with. No, you're right. They, they definitely brought in the changing of the guard with that. You've got Now you've got Jones, Ford, um, Matthew, all back there that are vocal leaders on the defense, and they're really – it's all about a culture change when it comes to these guys. They're going to be out there, you know, getting everyone pumped up, not just in the huddle, but, you know, right before the snap, and it's just – I'm excited because this defense has relied a lot on, you know, Eric Berry's um, vocal leadership and that since now he's no longer on the team, they just, they really needed an injection of youth and um, leadership like that. And he's going to provide that in every, sh- every way, shape or f- shape and form. 
Yeah, I think so too as well. Uh, do you see him being a guy that can uh, really push he and Jones together? Can can they both be 13, 14, 15 sack guys? Almost oh, definitely. I think especially if you put them on the same, the same end, they're going to mm-hmm. just, they're going to go back and forth and just say like pretty much challenging each other. Who's going to get the sack this time. And I just, I'm so excited for that. <laughs> I am too. I mean, Alex Okafor, get ready to mop up is my, nope. <laughs> my whole thought. So, um, well, it, Daniel, tell everybody where they can find you online as well as, uh, do you have a column over at Arrowhead or is it all one thing? Um, well, you can find me on Twitter at D underscore harms 19. That is my Twitter handle. And on Arrowhead guys, it'll, I do the film review. So when it comes out, yeah, just whenever I have a new film review, you'll pretty much see me get, you know, gifts up on Twitter and then it'll be a real, my, Review will be released in the next few days from that. Uh, it sounds like a formula I've heard of before. <laughs> <laughs> folks, make sure you check that out. Well, Dan, thanks for joining us. And folks, we'll take our second break. We'll be back to wrap up a little bit more on Frank Clark in particular and the pass rush in general. So at the end of the day, I think not only performance-wise what we've seen uh, from Frank Clark and how we can project that, but the the intensity, the work ethic, the attitude that he brings like we said yesterday, Tyron Matthews is going to run the back of that defense. And I feel like more and more, um, it's got to be Frank Clark that really kicks everybody in the rear along the front. Chris Jones can be a leader. He needs to be a leader when he's back. It, the contracting isn't going to be a big deal. It will all work itself out. But they also need somebody with with some fire, with some intensity. And I feel like that that's what Clark's bringing. Absolutely. And that's definitely something that they're going to need. Uh, their fire and intensity guys. In the past, as we've talked about, have been Eric Berry and Justin Houston, and both of those guys are gone. Uh, so they're definitely going to need that guy, and, and it's great to have that on the defensive line. It's honestly great to have it at all three levels, and I think they do. But somebody's got to be the alpha dog, and I feel like that's going to be Frank. And from the moment that he stepped on to, to the OTA practice field, talking about making everybody better so that he can be better, making offensive linemen better by pushing them, um, I think the battle that they're going to have all season with it, with Eric Fisher is going to make both of them better, but it's got to rub off, not just on the ends that are maybe in the film room with Frank, well, but along that entire front. And you you mentioned Eric Fisher. How about his battles with Schwartz? You know, he's going to go up against Schwartz. They're going to move Frank Clark around. I don't think he's going to be stuck on one side of the ball. Uh, and I think that, you know, Schwartz has gotten the better of Frank Clark in the past. Um, you know, our buddy Seth had posted a article and he said the only guy that he saw that really stopped Frank Clark consistently was Mitchell Schwartz. Uh, and in that case, if I'm Frank Clark, I'm one to go up against Mitchell Schwartz because it's going to make me a better player. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I agree with you. I just don't know. I have a feeling that it's, it is going to be more of a defined role. My expectation in the back of my mind right now is that he's, he's going to move around certainly, but I don't feel like it's going to be a ton. I could be wrong about that. You may be completely right, but that's that's just my well, initial impression. And I'm not saying that he's not going to mainly play on one side. I'm just saying that I expect that they're going to use, uh, you know, training camp and, and all the drills they do in training camp. He's going to want to go up against guys like Mitchell Schwartz. I mean, that doesn't right. have to be a, a one. That doesn't have to be a offense versus defense thing. That could be a one on one thing. I mean, they have those drills in camp, and that's what they're there for. So I fully expect him to take full advantage of those. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's going to pay off for everybody. As he can be pushed, he can pull everyone else along. And I think that's that's a difference in a guy that is ready to be a natural leader, much like Matthew, versus a guy like Justin Houston who 
didn't necessarily want to do it, but needed to do it and was certainly capable of it and stepped up to take that on, but it wasn't his natural instinct. So I feel like it's all these little things that are going to help the defense raise itself off the bottom. Uh, and it, it can't necessarily be seen on film that they've done before. Well, and I think the the big difference between Matthew and Houston is Houston didn't necessarily want to do it. I think Matthew wanted to do it. I don't think both of them had it something that it's obvious or it's it's at the forefront of their personality or who they are to be that guy. But there is a big difference between needing to and th- feeling like you have to versus wanting to. And I do think that Matthew wanted to versus Houston felt like he kind of had to because Barry was gone. Yeah, and that's perfectly fair. You know, I'm very interested to see how this season starts. I feel like if they can get off to a good role with this defense, it's something they can build upon pretty directly. Uh, but I feel like the first quarter of the season is going to be critical for them. So that's where they stand right now, folks. Uh, we're going to be back tomorrow. We have some more guests coming, and we're going to be here all through this lull until training camp starts. We're going to go over every position. We're going to start talking about projections for the 53-man uh, as we get through some of these issues. Uh, and there may be some news that comes, too. You never know about another acquisition that might throw the whole thing out of whack. But we're going to be really heavy on getting ready for training camp. Hope you are, too. Uh, definitely check in. We'll have a show for you every day of the week all the way up until training camp. So thanks for listening today, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Subscribe to the show on iTunes or Google Play. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Chiefs. Check out my work at RGR Football on YouTube, Chris's work on LockedOnChiefs.com, and all of Seth's film analysis at TheAthletic.com. Thanks for listening.